natural and spiritual. How many of you know the, the God is statements of the Bible are pretty precious because, you know, the, the scriptures are breathed by the Spirit into human authors through them. And for the Spirit of the Lord to equate God to something is kind of a big deal. When you say God is, it's almost like saying God equals something. And that's significant, you know, and uh, omni omnipotent, omniscient, eternal, triune God is something, is a big deal, okay? And so there was a man who, who, who said the biblical traditions, the 66 books of the Bible, can only find their unity in the nature and being of God, all right? Meaning, all right, think about it. Where do you find the end of the string to know how to read the Bible? What is the master key that you're going to put in the lock and it's going to make the thing make sense from Genesis to Revelation? You see? And it's the nature and being of God, all right, that really, okay, this is kind of a generational teaching in that you can see that this thing that God's given me is built on the inheritance that, that God gave to me through my dad of the agape eros paradigm. Because God is agape, is the hermeneutical master key to the entire scriptures and to the entire kingdom. It just is. And we're finding a certain, what, affinity with other writers that have also discovered that and how accurate their discoveries and outcome and fruit of their teaching seems to, what, plunge into levels and depths of understanding that other folks don't seem to get to mm -hmm. because of using the love of God, the sacrificial self-giving love of God as the key with which to start not healing, not evangelism. How many of you know you can major in minors? Amen. You get it? Majoring in minors is really taking up a lot of time. All right? And we want to major in the majors and then let all those other minor things that are all true and all real find their proper place. So this is the vortex waltz. Remember that we looked at that. That's Adam's in a turbulent ballet, circling one another, and if left alone long enough with one another, they will complete their dance as a solitary atom with one nucleus. And you can see the shock waves in the background fluid. All right, this is power, that's power. So I just want to share a Lutheran hymn with you that might help anchor some of you folks. I know, you know, some of you here, I'm sure, are struggling to turn the corner and understand some of this, you know, and I'm sorry to jump you with this in such a short time, but there's no other way to do it, okay? But there's a, wait a minute, is this, this thing's not working. Do we put new batteries in here? Uh, on. 
Hang on. Ah, Lord. All right, well, let me just push the button while we figure it out. Maybe, maybe we're going to have to get... Hang on. No, it's not working. Anyway. Yeah, can you do that? Or maybe they're not put in there correctly. I don't know. All right. I can just push the button. We'll do the we'll push the button for a minute. This You use your pointer? You sure? Yeah, I'll use really I get the holy pointer? Is that right? <laughs> you may you may never see this again. I wanna see All right. This is a Lutheran this is a Lutheran hymn that's gonna help you get what I'm talking about. All right, it puts it together. This is, you know what I'm telling you isn't some kind of a new age weird teaching. This is our historic faith. You get that? This is our historic faith that's been lost in the shuffle because we're such individualists and eros thinkers. Okay, come join the dance of Trinity before all worlds begun. The interweaving of the three, what is interweaving? That's fusion. Father, Spirit, Son. The universe of space and time did not arise by chance, but as the three in love and hope made room within their dance. Okay, now what is a dance? The, the whole kingdom is purely relational and purely interpersonal. You get that? Why? Because the eternal God, before anything existed, not one create, no heaven, no he you know the heavens were created? There's no heavens, no anything, just the three. And the three themselves are purely relational and purely interpersonal. That's why dance is a very appropriate way to describe this. And remember what I just showed you. This is the vortex waltz of fusion. Okay, so let's keep going. Come see the face of Trinity. We're going to work on this tonight. Newborn in Bethlehem, then bloodied by a crown of thorns outside Jerusalem. The dance of Trinity is meant for human flesh and bone. Oh, thanks. Oh, does it working? Oh, awesome. Okay. Uh, when fear confines the dance in death, God rolls away the stone. So now we're seeing the power of resurrection. We talked a little bit today about the fusion of the Trinity splintered upon the cross, right? My God, Father, my God, Spirit, why have you forsaken me? But the, the, the union, uh, the unity and fusion of the Trinity is reconstituted in the resurrected man, Jesus, except that it's slightly different in that. Now you and me are all in it. You get it? Now there's still only three. Still only three, and, and, and wh where is our participation? As members of his body. Okay, you get it? All right, so, so here it is. The dance is meant for human flesh and bone. Why did, did a triune spirit choose a human 
nucleus to be in, except that they wanted to cohabit with you and me in him. You get it? That's why they did it. They chose and they adapted and acclimated themselves to flesh and bone for us. Okay, we're going to see that more carefully. Here's the second part. Come speak aloud of Trinity as wind and tongues of flame. I'm going to show you that in just a minute. Set people free at Pentecost to tell the Savior's name. We know the yoke of sin and death. Oh, don't we ever. Our necks have worn that thing smooth. Aren't you sick of yourself? Aren't you realizing that your worst enemy isn't Satan? It's you. It's you. You make his job easy. And we have just worn that thing, the individualism, the self-worthship, the, the self-referential thinking, and the me-centered life. We have worn that blooming thing smooth. Go tell the world of weight and woe that what? We are now free to move. Before, we weren't free to move because an individualist cannot dance the dance of Trinity. A self-worshipper, an eros-driven human being that's corrupted by self-love, cannot dance the dance of Trinity. But in Christ now, right, regenerated, now we are free to move. And being free to move is another way of saying entering and participating in the unshakable kingdom. That's it. Within the dance of Trinity, before all worlds begun, we sing the praises of the three, Father, Spirit, Son. Let our voices rise and interweave by love and hope set free to shape in song this joy, this life, this eternal life, a quality of life, the dance of Trinity. Now, does that help you to get the story? Does it? I hope so, because it really does with me. I, I just, I think that is awesome. Yes, it is. That makes me want to dance, and I'm not a big dancer. <laughs> Suzanne's always wanting me to get dancing at these things, and, you know, Dad and I both, you know, we're not the big dancers. But now after, after reading that, I'm willing to join that dance school. Okay, so that's the dance of Trinity. Now, I want to, we have to talk about God is spirit for a little bit to understand how we're going to participate in this. God is spirit. God is a triune spirit. It's not just the Holy Spirit that's a spiritual being, but what? Father is a spiritual being. The Son is a spiritual being. Okay, the pre-incarnate Son is a spirit before he became a man. But as a man, the Bible, Paul says, the first man, Adam, became a living soul, and the second Adam, which is Jesus, became what? A life 
giving spirit. So now he's doing the spiritual dance as a man with a human spirit is what he's doing. Exactly what we're supposed to do. I'm going to try to show it to you. The Lord is spirit. The Hebrew word is ruach. The Greek is pneuma. A movement of wind, breath of nostrils or mouth, a being without physical or material form, the vital principle by which the human body is animated. Father, Son, and Spirit are three eternal non-material beings in perpetual fusion oneness. Okay, you with me? All right. Holy, holy, holy. Each holy is a spirit with the same fusible DNA, the nature of agape, an extreme self-forsaking love. Each of these three eros-free individuals gives himself perpetually into the other two. How? Spirit into spirit. Okay, you with me so far? You all right? The fusion dynamic of these three spirits moving together in self-giving oneness causes a vortex, the pattern of a tornado or hurricane. Didn't we just sing the song tonight? What is God's love like? I'm a tree caught in what? A hurricane of this love. I was so excited to see that. That was neat because it's true, and I'm going to show it to you in the scriptures. Nahum, in whirlwind and storm is God's way. Now, don't you think it's kind of helpful to understand the movement of the triune God? How does God move? God moves as a vortex of three perpetually giving themselves into one another. I'm going to show it to you a little more in the scriptures because you look a little nervous, all right? <laughs> Throughout the scriptures, the appearances of the triune spirit in the physical world are described as a vortex. This is the pillar of cloud and fire that led Israel out of Egypt. And God looked out from the pillar and saw the Egyptians. All right, there are many of these. All right, kings. Elijah was taken up by a whirlwind to heaven. You can read it. Yeah, there were chariots, but it was a little more than that. Okay, now let me show you a couple of these other ones. Job. Then the Lord answered self-righteous Job with an issue. Job, who said, whom God said to him, Will you condemn me that you may be justified? So Job had some issues of individualism, very subterranean in that righteous man that God had to sort out. And God answered him out of the whirlwind, who is this individualist that darkens counsel, darkens spiritual reality by words without knowledge? And what do we know is the knowledge? The knowledge is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ which is three spiritual beings in fusion. 
Okay, are you with me? And how did God choose to answer Job but out of the whirlwind? One more. This is very familiar. Acts 2. They were all together in the one name of Jesus. All right, now who was there? 120 people. You know, there were doubtless, doubtless there were Pharisees there, probably sitting next side by side with Mary Magdalene who had been a prostitute, seven demons came out of that woman. And, and there in, among the disciples was Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector. How do you think those boys got along? <laughs> huh? They were absolutely from opposite political spectrum that you could be in Israel. So this is the 120 people that are up in this room from all walks of life and they're all there because of what? If you asked any 120 of them, why are you in here? Because Jesus is for real. That's what they would say. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise, like a violent rushing wind. Now this is not just the Holy Spirit. What is this? This is the ascended Son and the Father and the Spirit in a vortex of the Trinity. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting with a fullness. And there appeared to them tongues of fire or vortices of fire. And distributing themselves, they rested on each individual of them. Paul. And they were all filled, how? Together with the Holy Spirit, with one fusible DNA. And how did these people act after this happened to them? What happened to those people after they got caught in that hurricane? Huh? They shared all things in common, right? And, and this powerful Trinity-like stewardship and caring for one another, this quality of life, of the eternal life of the Trinity, began to happen on earth just as it is. Now, is this right or not? You get it? Okay, and, this is a, and they began, these guys, these people began to move together with one another in this very way. This is blueprints, all right? The dynamic vortical pattern of Father, Son, and Spirit infusion is the movement of life, both spiritually as well as in the natural creation. The likeness of the vortex of the triune pneuma, the triune spirit, is illustrated throughout their natural creation. From micro, which is atomic nuclear fusion, to what? Macro. Macro. And what is that? That's a galaxy. And does anybody see a similarity there? <laughs> and what is the center? The center of this galaxy is called the nucleus. And they act, it is actually what they call a stellar nursery, meaning the fusion heat at the core of that galaxy is giving birth to luminaries, 
to stars. And what is God called? God the Father is called the Father of luminaries. The Father of lights. Every good thing and every perfect gift comes from where? All right. And lights is kind of right. It's really luminaries, like, like stars. Okay? As individuals, the Father, Son, and Spirit are perpetually fused into one another, spirit into spirit, by self-giving love. As individual human beings, we were designed to be fused by sacrificial self-giving, human spirit into triune spirit. Okay, I want to show you how this works. Because it would be mean of me to tell you all of this and then not tell you how to participate. Do you get that? I have to tell you how to participate. Okay? All right. <laughs> The triune God created each individual human being as a tri-unity. There it is, Thessalonians, spirit and soul and body. Okay. Is that accurate? You think that's right? Okay. Then the Lord God, and who was that? The us of our Genesis, let us make man in our image, formed man of dust from the ground, which is what? A body. So basically, we're dirt bags. Okay? We're dirt bags. No, seriously. We're dirt bags. Why? Because the seed, the incorruptible seed, required a soil in which to be planted. How many of you know you can't create a created being perfected in agape. Okay? God could not create us perfect in agape. Perfect in the divine nature. Why? Can anybody guess why? Why is it impossible for God to create us perfect? You have to have a self to give away. Exactly. A self without freedom if, if agape is sacrificial, self-giving, if there isn't freedom and an opportunity to do it volitionally and willingly, then it isn't true. It isn't genuine. It isn't real. Does that make sense? Do you get that? It isn't love. It would be robotic. And what is God looking for? God's looking for reciprocal generosity. And that takes time and an opportunity to blow it, which we did. Okay? So, the formed man from the dust of the ground breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, which is what? A human spirit. And man became a living being. Paul calls it a living soul, which is the seat of free will. So, we became a, a free individual. How many of you know... The soul is the seat, is where the will of man is. I will or I will not issues forth out of the soul of a man or a woman. So when, when, when we say God has saved my soul, that's extra meaningful to me because really one of the major problems with all of us is what? Willfulness. 
willfulness. We are soulish. Okay, you get that? All right, now, man's spirit faculty was designed to prevail over and govern his soul or his will and his fleshly body. Why? Paul tells us, he of human being who joins himself to the Lord is what? You get it? So he who joins, so God cannot join you to him. God cannot join you to him. How do you get joined to him? You have to do it. He who fuses himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Why? Because otherwise it wouldn't be true love. If God made you do it or manipulated you to do it, remember it says about Jesus, he will not raise his voice in the streets and he will not, it's not going to be a kingdom of coercion like the Soviet Union where you're just lucky that we're making you a citizen of our government. No, that isn't, there is no coercion involved in this. Okay, now what does this mean? How does this work? Sacrificial self-giving or agape is a dynamic activity of the human spirit. It's your spirit that's actually fusing. But it's expressed through the soul. I have to will to do it and facilitated within my human body. Where is the kingdom? The kingdom of God is what? Within you. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not what? Ah. Does this help you to understand it a little bit? There's a whole book on this, God is Spirit, Awakening to Spiritual Reality. I'm giving it to you in 12 slides. <laughs> All right, so you're getting the crash course. Romans 12, present your bodies a living and holy, and what does holy mean? Eros free, sacrifice, acceptable to God. Why would that be acceptable to God? Because it's your spiritual service of worship. It is sacrificial self-giving. Okay? So what am I doing? From I'm off presenting my body as the temple, and I am exercising my soul or my will, and I am choosing to give this. And, and uh, from my soul, I'm choosing to offer myself comprehensively body, soul, and spirit to the Lord, and my spirit fuses into the triune spirit, and the whole thing is taking place in this mortal body, like a temple. But without the soul, without the will, it wouldn't work, would it? Because you have to choose it. Do you see it? God loves freedom. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. Because without freedom of individuality, fusion isn't possible. Okay, now, 
You guys pretty, is that, I mean, that's a crash course in body, soul, and spirit, but you have to see it. Now, I want to show you Jesus' master key prayer. You guys all know this, John 17, very important to this. That they, these human individuals, may be what? Even as who? We are. All right, even as we are. That they may all be one or Trinity-like. Even as you, Father, a spirit, are in me. How is Father in, in Jesus? Fused into his human spirit. I in you, all right, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be what? In us, and there's the us of our genesis. Let us make man in our image, fused into our spiritual oneness. Why? So that the world may believe that you sent me. And isn't it interesting? There's all... Always an extroverted purpose with God, isn't it? Always an extroverted purpose. It's never us four and no more. Our oneness, all right, the, the very nature of a fusion and agape is always life-giving. Okay? So when Jesus is praying for his disciples to be one, what is the ultimate objective of their being one with God? It's what? For the superabundant yield of light and life from that fusion of God and those human beings to what? To spill over and flood the entire world with, with photosynthesis, light, and life, and food. Do you see it? Always extroverted. Keep going. The glory, now this glory is the fusible DNA of agape. What, why is it fusible? Because it's its instinct in nature to lose its life into the other. It just does it. It wants to do it. Okay? This glory you have given me, Jesus is praying, he's given it to him, what? Not as the son of God, but as a man. I have given, and how? He has fed that as one cake to us. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, what? You have no life in yourselves. Okay? That they may be one, spirit into spirit, just as we are one, spirit into my human spirit, Jesus says. I and them and you and me. So here we begin seeing the God-man nucleus. All right, God the Father and the Spirit are in him. And now he's going to be in us. Okay? That they may be perfected in unity or trinity likeness. That the agape, or this fusible DNA, here's the master key to the whole Bible, agape. That the agape with which you, Father, have loved me, the man Jesus, may be in them, and I, the God-man nucleus, in them. Now, there's a lot there, but I think everyone would agree that is a fusion verse. 
everybody's in everybody. <laughs> and isn't the word in so interesting? In. Not just associated, but in. Wow. And think about the Trinity for a moment. It's correct to, to speak of the Trinity as the us, but you can also call the us very appropriately the entire Trinity the he, a he. Because their unity is so profound that it's a he, but it isn't a one-dimensional he. What is it? It's a triune he. A triune he. And when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he is not speaking self-referentially. What is he speaking of? The fullness of deity, pleased to dwell in me. The spectrum, the triune spectrum in me in one being. Do you see it? Oh, you're going to have a whole new Bible to read when you go home. <laughs> it's really beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. Okay. The secret of the mystery, both natural and spiritual, both natural fusion of, of individual atoms and the spiritual fusion of individual persons into oneness, both require what? A nucleus. Okay, you, you with me? You following? All right, we're going to look at this. Remember, we looked at this earlier. For God, who said, light shall shine out of darkness, which is fusion in the natural creation, let there be light, is the one, three fused as one, who has shone in our dark, degenerate, individualist hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, the fusion glory of, of the triune God, where? In the face of Christ, in the God-man nucleus of the Trinity. Paul saw this big time, and it transformed that man absolutely, regenerated him into an entirely new creation. He was a violent aggressor, dragging people out of their homes as a religious predator. No, I mean it. Dragging them out of their homes, biting and devouring. And really, he was just working his way up in his own denomination. <laughs> Wanting to right? Because he was a part of the inner circle and he had to, you know, get his, earn his stripes to work his way up in the leadership. So there was a distinctively self-referential deal going on with all of this religious zeal against the Christians. And then he got his rear end knocked off the donkey <laughs> by a light brighter than the sun who said, I am Jesus. And this is what he saw. And he was transformed from an individualist 
into the, one of the most profound, generous men imaginable who said things like, I would gladly spend and be expended for your souls. Now, that's the kind of transformation we're all interested in. We all need. We need salvation, and that's the salvation that we need. Jesus was transfigured before Peter, James, and John, and his face shone like the... And his garments became white as... Does anybody see fusion going on there? Colossians. Jesus is the physical image of the invisible God. Because what is God? A non-material being. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, both visible or natural and invisible or spiritual. All things have been created through him like a prototype and for him because he is the what? The heir of all things. He is before all things and in him this God-man nucleus, what? All things, natural and spiritual, do what? Hold together. All right? For example, agape is the strong nuclear force that holds atoms together. For all the fullness of deity, the Father, Son, and Spirit, these three eternal primaries, was pleased to, to dwell in him. How? In fusion. In relational, interpersonal, spiritual fusion in him. And through him to reconcile or fuse all things to himself having made peace through the blood of his cross, which is what? Exhausting our power of fission and fusing God and man in himself. When we talk about the God-man, he is fully God and what? Fully man. We're going to look at that a little more carefully so you get this. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells where? In bodily form, in a God-man nucleus, and in him. And how do you get in him? You have to join yourself into him. In him, you have been made full with this fullness. So here's the eternal fullness, and here's the fullness in Christ. You following that? You guys all right? All right. That's an important passage. The sun's life-giving energy comes from natural fusion. The sun's, S-O-N, life-giving energy comes from what? Spiritual fusion. His face shone like the sun. Revelation, his face was like the sun shining in its strength. Why? 
because all the fullness was dwelling in fusion in him. The fullness of holy, holy, holy dwelling in him in this natural flesh and blood man yields a divine radiance, which Paul called the glory of God in the face of Christ. Are you seeing it? So, so atomic nuclear fusion in the natural creation is more than an analogy and a metaphor. How many of you can see that so far? More. This isn't just some little scientific example. And I'm going to keep proving that to you because I'm telling you, if you follow this out, you are going to discover the unshakable kingdom. The unshakable kingdom for everyday practical life that lets you raise 26 kids in two of the most corrupt nations in the world, kind of unshakable. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. How many of you have lived, walked with the Lord long enough to recognize this message has come out of the scriptures by the Holy Spirit? but it's come out of deep and profound suffering. I mean bad. All right? Jesus' radiant light is not the reflective afterglow which Moses bore on his face from exposure to, to Shekinah in the Holy of Holies, but what? It's the very energy source, a nuclear fusion reactor core, the uncaused cause of all things resident in the sun as a man. power of God, folks, in the face of Christ. The nucleus of God in human beings. This is, you're about to get this on all your Christmas cards. A child born to us. A son given to us. And the government, this unshakable kingdom, will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Who is who? The Mighty God, the Triune Fullness, the Eternal Father, and the Prince of Peace. How can this one guy be the Eternal Father and the Prince at the same time? Because he is the nucleus of the fullness of deity. And, and not just that, but given to, because a cohabitation is forming here, a kingdom cohabitation of God and man into which we have been invited. 
How many of you know that, that things come by faith in, 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 in Christianity, in our walk with the Lord, don't, don't they? It comes by faith. And faith comes by hearing, right? And from the Word of God. And if you don't, I think that our participation in all of this happens according to the measure of our understanding of what God's talking about in the Bible so that you can believe it. And then when you start seeing it and believing it, oh, it just is like, I'm just, I'm entering and participating in this fullness that had always been given. It has always been ours. All the fullness, and you have been made full, past tense. But you can't see it, and so you can't believe into it, and so it only opens to you in, in tiny little increments. And the kingdom of God, of the increase of his kingdom, no end. Dad had that on his slide. What I believe is that the kingdom of God, there are opening fullnesses of the kingdom that we have to mature into an inheritance that has already fully been given to us. So who's waiting for who here? Who's waiting for who here? We're not waiting for God to do anything. God already did it. Who's waiting for who? God's waiting for us, baby. Do you get it? So quit indicting the Lord like he's holding out on his promises. Forget that, baloney. The problem is right here, baby. And I say that very jealously because so much is laid at the door of the Lord after they have already sacrificially drank down the nuclear biohazard in the cup. They already drank the thing to the dregs. They already did it. Dad said it. We're already seated with him. This is the ascension truth. And we got to go there. The virgin will be with child. His name will be what? God with us. Now, here it is, the star. If you didn't believe what I was talking about up till now, now I'm going to convince you. Because of all the signs God could have chosen to mark the birth of God in Christ, what was the sign that God chose a life-giving vortex of fusion was chosen. We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And the star which they had seen went on before them, and it came and stood over the place where uh, the child was. Could have been anything. 
God could have chosen any symbol to commemorate this birth. And what did he choose? Now, isn't it beautiful? Aren't you going to have a happier Christmas this year? <laughs> no, I mean it. I just look at the star now completely different. I look at the name of God now different and understand it as triunity. And when I see the name of Jesus, like on a, on a screen or somewhere, the name of Jesus, I'm going to show you from Sparks. It's not Jesus only. It is God in Christ. I want to show it to you. And that name, that blessed name, will take on a multidimensional fullness for you that when you speak it off of your mouth, it will be deeply cherished to you because you've heard it in a new way and you've believed into that name in a new way. And so the fullness in that name will begin to open to you open to you. Yeah. No kidding. Come on. Upon Jesus, the Spirit descended and what? Remained on him. Father spoke from heaven, you are my beloved son, the son of my agape. In you, this nucleus, I am well pleased to what? Okay, now those brackets are mine. But if God is a dwelling place, then what is Father interested in doing here? Dwelling in him. In such a way that, that all right, he's conscious of this fusion of the triunity within him. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. He who has seen me, the nucleus, has seen the Father. So now Jesus' own self-understanding is no longer one-dimensional. He doesn't see himself as an individual unit. He speaks and teaches and does and acts and says everything with an understanding that he is now the nucleus of the fullness. You think we could learn from something from that? That you are not your own? If the kingdom of God is really within you, that way, Christ in you, the hope of? Would that affect the way you look at yourself in the mirror and the way you talk about yourself? If you really got this, if this was really real to you, the way it was real in Jesus Christ, it would change everything you think and do. The way you look at yourself will be changed. Stars are like holes poked through the floor of heaven. Isn't that neat? I like that. The relational quality of life, the interpersonal eternal life, Father, Son, and Spirit share this infusion oneness, has been hidden from us, eclipsed not by God, but by our own self-worthship, individualism, and fission. 
How many of you can see if you're born into this, it would be very difficult to see that. <laughs> Even though you sing the doxology, and by the way, who is James talking to when he talks about biting and devouring and consuming one another? It's the believers, buddy. How many of you can see, if you're operating in this, it's very difficult to see this. It is eclipsed. Then the God of this world is blinding the minds of what? The unbelieving, not just the heathen. Believers that don't even fully believe all that they say they believe. We're talking about here. In and through Jesus, the bright morning star, we see the fullness of the kingdom, the dwelling place of the triune God, God in Christ. The God-man Jesus is the star of David, the light of the hope of the Messiah promised to David, and the faith which David carried within, how? Believing forward into him. I call that quantum priesthood because in the eternal, timeless spirit, David and others were carried in the spirit and lived in some kind of a New Testament quality of life before there even was a New Testament. Not perfectly. It was inadequate, and yet, but it was real. And it's quantum. It's like making a quantum leap. How many of you know God is outside of time? If the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world, how did Moses see creation and write about that? He went backwards and saw that in the spirit. Anyway, we can't get into all that. Uh, so I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify these things, the kingdom, the kingdom, the triune God and human beings, fused into the God-man. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. That's the star. David believed forward into him. Now, this is, this is a powerful... I want to show you some guys and what they believed from the scriptures. Daniel. Those who have insight which is what? The light of the knowledge of the triune God fused into the nucleus of Christ, insight, will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. This kingdom cohabitation, God is a dwelling place. They're going to shine like it. And those who lead the many to righteousness, into sacrificial self-giving DNA and behavior, like the stars forever and ever. Wow. This is what Daniel saw. He had insight. Those who have insight, those that can see it. Here's Peter's insight. We have the prophetic word made more sure. What is this saying? Scriptures are foretelling the cohabitation of God and man 
in one unshakable kingdom or nucleus. To which you will do well to what? We're not very good at paying attention. And I think that's why we miss out on a lot. As to a lamp, the fusion of God and Christ shining where? In a very dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. The fusion power of Father, Son, and Spirit perfected in the resurrected man Jesus is the morning star arising in your heart. To pay attention to what that is. <clears throat> okay, Paul's insight, Ephesians, if, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which has been given to me for, for you, by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, that's our theme, as I wrote before in brief, by referring to this, when you read Paul's letters, which are the scriptures, you can understand my insight. Isn't that what Daniel said? Insight into the mystery of Christ, the nucleus of the fusion of God and man in the God-man, which in other generations was not made known to the degenerate corrupt sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy or fusible apostles and prophets in the spirit. Now they're starting to get fusible and they can see it. To preach the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery. Here's the Greek word. Pay attention to this with me, please. A koinomia, the stewardship of one shared household, is this word in the Greek. One shared household. God and human beings in one shared household. Which for ages has been hidden where? They've always been living like that. We just didn't know it. Three eternals fused in agape who created all things, all things as natural illustrations of God is a dwelling place. So the spiritual is not first, but what? The natural and then the spiritual. So all this natural stuff, we're not supposed to look at it. What are we supposed to do? See through it. Did you ever hear dad preach that? Very powerful. Don't just look at, but what? See through. Looking at is pantheism. Seeing through is getting that it is a rehearsal studio. How many of you know this entire universe is passing away? Even the elements, the periodic table of elements, you get that? Like you learned in chemistry? It's all passing away. Because this just is a temporal rehearsal studio for the real thing. The real thing. 
Father rescued us, Colossians, from the domain of darkness, which is what? A bunch of individualists spiting, devouring, and consuming each other, and transferred us to the kingdom of the son of his agape. This relational, interpersonal infrastructure located within in Jesus in the God-man nucleus. How many of you know that the, the kingdom of God is not pearly gates and streets of gold that you're going to go out and chip up gold and hoard it in your house like manna in the wilderness? This is a spiritual kingdom. It is a relational, interpersonal infrastructure built of living stones. Spiritual beings, life-giving spirits, life-giving spirits that have the same DNA that wants to fuse to one another in a Trinity-like way, creates a, an infrastructure of beings. A house of beings, a living house of beings of fusible beings. Do you see it? I mean, it's easier to imagine the pearly gates, isn't it? And make it all concrete, get the whole thing nailed down, and keep it all comfortable in my tangible comfort zone. But that's not reality. They were tearing down, the, gonna, Jesus said they're going to tear down this temple. All the guys are all excited about this temple, and they're going to tear it down. And Jesus said, what? You tear this down, and what? You're going to rebuild it. Where? Where is that thing rebuilt? In his own body, the nucleus of spiritual beings, divine and human. Do you see it? Now, the kingdom of the son of his agape. This is a beautiful thing about the Trinity. From the father's perspective, the kingdom is whose? From the son's perspective, he says it is my father's kingdom. From the father and son's perspective, the kingdom of God is what? In the Holy Spirit. So we have no proprietors and owners here. We have three self-givers who are saying that the whole thing belongs to the other guy. Now when Jesus comes down and says, my kingdom is not of this world, he wasn't kidding. Because have you ever seen anything like that on earth? where three keep giving it to the other guy. Huh? This is why I believe it. I know it's true. It's all true. Always true. Unshakably true. Because it's three eternals, all true to one another and all true together as one to us in Christ, pouring out the superabundant fullness of their own true love 
and setting that love, the superabundant yield of their love, letting that be poured out upon us as the object of their affection. Because they want to cohabit with us. Wow. Now, not, we're not going to be gods on our own planets. You do realize that. Our participation, <laughs> our participation is in and through the Son, right? By the Holy Spirit, right? In, through the Son, we have our access in one spirit, what? To the Father. That's called the third heaven. The third heaven, it's the third heaven is, is, is this relational interpersonal infrastructure of the Trinity that you enter into the fullness of through the Son, right, the man, God-man, in one spirit, in one fusible DNA, and what? To the Father. Third heaven, baby. Okay? Chambers. Jesus Christ became a man for one purpose, that he might put away sin, my claim to my right to myself, is what he understood sin to be. Look at confusion here. That's a new word for you. Confusion meaning, means to be fused to something to which God did not give you and to which you do not belong. And how many of you know that can devour enormous portions of your life, getting confused? Oh, <laughs> don't even go there. It's so painful. I hate it. Confusion. Because the false father, his goal is to keep you from truly fusing. And what's the best way to do that? Get you fused to something that you don't belong to. And then you're already taken and off the market. Sorry for you. And it really works. It's very effective. Okay, so bring the whole human race, this is why he became man, back into the oneness of identification, which is self-giving fusion. Christ is not an individual iota of a man. He is the whole of the human race centered before God in what? One person. He is God and man in one, the nucleus of the Trinity and man. He, man is lifted up to God in Christ, and God is brought down to man in Christ. Do you guys believe that? Is Oswald Chambers a pretty safe guy to quote around here? I hope so, because I believe that's exactly right. Now, John 11, Caiaphas prophesied. Remember the high priest? He hated Jesus, but the Spirit of the Lord was on him because he was the high priest. And he prophesied that Jesus was going to what? Die for the nation exhaust into himself the power of our individualism, vision, and confusion. And not for the nation only of the Jews, but in order that he might also gather into what? One. The children of God who are where? 
scattered abroad. Do you see it? That's what he came to do. Isn't that a beautiful picture? We're just scattered abroad in individualism, and he came to gather us into one nucleus. <laughs> one nucleus. I want to show it. I, we got to press forward. I hope you guys can hang with me just a few more minutes because I want to show you what this looks like in Ezekiel, okay? All right, the sum of all divine revelation is vital union with God in Christ. This is T. Austin Sparks. Nobody had a revelation of God in Christ quite like T. Austin Sparks. It was the major motherload revelation of his entire years of study in the scriptures, in the Holy Spirit. So the sum of all revelation is, this is his way of saying fusion, vital union. All right, let's see what that is. It is God in Christ, this is Sparks, I am the bread, Jesus says, the three ingredients in one cake. You know quite well that you will not find the bread of complete satisfaction, the, real, the fullness, the rest. It is only God in Christ, this unshakable kingdom. It is a wonderful thing to think that it is not Christ only, but what? But God in Christ. Stop thinking Christ only. It is not Christ only. It is God in Christ. The Trinity dwelling in fusion in a man. God has come in the person of his son to beware into his own. In a spiritual way, in the Trinity-like way, spirit fused into human spirit. Oneness in agape. This means Christ recognized, Christ known, God in Christ, and that on the ground of our utter separation unto him. Meaning, fusion is losing our life into Christ in order to find it. Our need, whatever that need, is not to find fresh truth in a spiritual way. How many of you know we've wasted a lot of time on that? Majoring in minors, getting some fresh spiritual truth. It's just going to take us another lap around the track. God, aren't you tired of it all? Don't you want to find the nuclear fusion reactor core? It is a new discovery of God in Christ, the secret of the mystery. God has chosen to be approached, touched, known in Jesus Christ. God is not somewhere else. God is where? <clears throat> they are one. If you have Jesus Christ, this nucleus, you have... Oops, sorry. Oh, I went the wrong way. Sorry, guys. That was such a bold point, and I just messed it up. <laughs> All right, if you have Jesus Christ, you have infinite, almighty, or all three mighty, eternal God. If you have him, you have got God, and there is no other.
Now, did that man receive a revelation of God in Christ or not? And do you know we don't have to relearn all that? You can inherit this man's inheritance. T. Austin Spark worked his entire life to come to understand that. And if you would just open yourself, you can receive the gift of God of that revelation to him right now. And it can take you exponentially into the knowledge of God. And it can be a gift to you. Do you hear what I'm saying? It can be a gift to you. Don't redo all the work. Don't reinvent the wheel. Take that and run with it and go further. Okay? Spark summed up the secret of the mystery in this statement. The combined and combining person of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to show you this. Jesus is the combined person for two reasons. First, as the Son of God, he is the nucleus of who? Second, as the Son of Man, he is the nucleus of human beings fused into him as members of his body. He is the combined person for those two reasons. Do you see it? Now, Jesus is also the combining person because the triune God and human beings fused into the God-man now share what? One dwelling place. Fused together in one nucleus, God and man where? In him. The combined and combining man, the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is a spiritual inheritance from T. Austin Sparks. I inherited that. I ate that thing, and I know it's right. And it has exp- it's been like a jet fuel that has allowed me to skyrocket into the knowledge of all these things that God has been adding to me. This is how we grow. Now let me show it to you. We must see and believe into the combined and combining man. You have to see it and believe into it. We inherit the kingdom of God by fusion sacrificial self-giving into God in Christ. Can God do it for you? No. He who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Now, he will woo you. He will make life very difficult for you. God does that. But at the bottom line, what has it got to be? It's got to be you comprehensively offering your body, your stubborn will, and your corrupted spirit. Romans, we are children of God, and if fusible, regenerated children, then what? We're heirs, heirs of this mutual indwelling place, and heir, fellow heirs with Christ. How? If indeed we suffer or lose our autonomous life with him, so that we may also be glorified. Now, do you understand how glorified to me now is a fusion term? Where does glory come from? When you get sunburned from the sun, 
you've had a little too much glory. And that comes from fusion. That's what glory, glory is an agape, functional agape word. It's what agape does. Okay, now, when we magnify the God-man Jesus, we see the whole dwelling place, God in Christ and what I call emigrant believers in Christ. Why? Because we are relocating. We're being relocated out of this darkness. Now look, here's, here's the God-man nucleus. How did God get in there? All three embrace that. Wish I had time to show that to you, but all three embrace that to enter into him. And here's us, the zombies, the living dead. How do we get in there? Same thing, baby sacrificial self-giving, losing your life to find it. So here it is, the fullness, the summing up of all things in him. All right, here's Colossians, having been knit together in agape, this is individual believers maturing in the Trinity's own DNA, and attaining to all the wealth or inheritance that comes from the full assurance of understanding. What are we understanding? That God is three sacrificial self-givers. That's what we're understanding. This is the inheritance. This is the wealth. Resulting in a true knowledge of whose mystery? That is who? the God-man nucleus in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, the secret of the, spirit, of, the, of the mystery, both natural and spiritual, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Where did Einstein get his? From there. <laughs> where, did, where did Daniel get his insight? Spiritually, uh, from there. Do you see it? We human beings, together as an us, have been, all right, why are we an us? Because we are being what? Knit together in agape. If we don't learn how to be knit together in agape, you will never see the oneness of God. Only an us can see the us. This is why God gave me 26 children. <laughs> Otherwise, I could never have seen it. No, I mean it. Everybody thinks we're missionaries or something. That's not what we are. It's not exactly missionaries. We were on assignment in a life lab in a rehearsal studio to practice being an us with some of the most broken and difficult and complicated children you can imagine from all these races, and in, in learning how to sacrificially be in us with those children, I was able to see the us. Only because God showed it to me. I wouldn't have automatically seen it. But that prepped me. It got me ready to be able to see it. Now, we together as an us have been invited to share 
in the eternal life of mutual indwelling which the us share. Do you see it? Now, this is an important verse, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. I believe this is their mandate for all of us. If I could give you a mandate to, out of what I've taught, this would be it. Therefore, be imitators of God and us in fusion oneness. And where is God fused into? Into this God-man. Be imitators of God as beloved children. So if, if God is in us, in the God-man, and we're going to imitate God as children, what are we supposed to be? And us, in fusion oneness, in the God-man. Do you get it? <laughs> That's what we're supposed to be. That's what God is, and if we're going to imitate God, that's what we're supposed to be. And walk in agape, which is the only way you could ever do this, is walk in self-giving. Just as Christ, the prototype man, our forerunner, also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God, a fragrant aroma, which was a willing responsive, fusible spirit. He became a life-giving spirit. Jesus became a life-giving spirit. And now, not just for himself, what? He, gave, he, he, he perfected that life-giving spirit so that it could be your inheritance. You receive his spirit. His willing spirit, that's your inheritance. That's why he went through all of this, so he could give it to you. All right? Now, let me just skip, skip through, because I want to show, show you uh, this one last thing. All right? Now, in the nucleus of Christ... Perichoresis, remember mutual indwelling, now exists and works between the individual persons of the Trinity, between the triune God and mankind, and what? Also between individual human beings. Okay? So listen to me. There is no oneness outside of that thing. I, I'm not going to go to any more unity conferences that aren't going to talk about that because they don't work. No denomination, no system as a system can contain the kind of oneness that we're talking about here other than that nucleus. Only one foundation can, has been laid that can be built upon unshakable, and that's it. And I have seen that as people have given themselves into this message, into this unfolding thing, even back with the agape road, the agape eros paradigm, and began to practice that, a real trinity-like expression of the kingdom has been, in, been happening among difficult, complicated, diverse believers <laughs> that are really changing and really becoming an expression of the kingdom and even starting to like each other. I mean, love is one thing, but to actually like them. Wow. That's, got, that's powerful. All right, now, 
This God-man himself is the combined and combining person. Now here's our scripture. Since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, why? Do you see why it cannot be shaken now? Because the, the unshakable love of the Trinity perfected in the man Jesus Christ. Let us show gratitude or reciprocal generosity by which we may offer to God an acceptable service, something God would think was good. Reciprocal generosity, losing our lives into the God-man nucleus, just the way the Father, Son, and Spirit have done it. They moved into him. You realize that. For our God, the Father, Son, and Spirit is what? A consuming fire. A life-giving vortex of fusion. Now let me show it to you in Ezekiel and we'll quit. Thanks for holding on with me, you guys. All right, Ezekiel's vision. I want to show you the consuming fire and what this kingdom of the combined and combining man looks like. This is Ezekiel 1. On that which resembled a throne high up was a figure with the appearance of a... So on the throne of God, who is on the throne of God? A man. A man is on this throne. Are you getting that? Okay, now let's keep going. Then I noticed from the appearance of his loins and upward... Something like glowing metal that looked like what? All around within it, which was what? Holy, holy, holy infusion in who? The Holy One of God. Upward. And from the appearance of his loins and where? I saw something like fire. Fire upward fire downward. This is straight out of New American Standard. You can read it for yourself. Saw something like fire, which is what? Regenerated human beings fused into who? And there was a radiance around him, this combined and combining God-man, a radiance around him, this God-man nucleus, the embodiment of the entire kingdom of the fusion oneness of the triune God and mankind in all in one guy. One guy. And this is who's on the throne. One more. As the appearance of the rainbow, which occurs in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the surrounding radiance, the spectrum of individual colors in fusion, the three primaries plus all of us. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord, all in a man on the throne. Now, do you guys see the combined and combining God-man? Now let's talk about this rainbow for a minute. Rainbows in creation are always, always double. There's always a mirrored bow. You can't always see it. But now once my eyes were open to it, I saw it. 
You will see it now all the time. I mean, sometimes it's hidden. Do you see it here? So here's the primary bow, and there's a secondary bow with reversed colors. Okay, do you see it here? Reversed colors. And so, so remember the waters of Noah that my dad talked about. And what was the promise set in the sky? That, that us are going to look like us. Do you get it? That's the promise. I'm going to deal with corruption, and they are going to be one, even as what? As we are one. Do you see it? Us is going to look like the us. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And this is the radiance. So from his loins and upward, fire, the triune God in the Son of God. From his loins and downward, fire, members of his own body. I mean, it's, it's like the God-man, literally half and half in one guy. You guys all right? <laughs> Read it in your own Bible. Don't, don't forget all my showy PowerPoints. You go and read Ezekiel 1 in your own Bible. But read it with the glasses on of fusion. Read, put the glasses on of fusion, and I... I have just given you a brand new book. It's the Bible you have always had. <laughs> You're going to feel like a kid, just like a kid. It's going to be just, oh, <laughs> I know it's funny when I do that, but it's, there's no other way to describe it. Okay? For we all... Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being what? Transformed into the same image from glory to glory. That's the rainbow. Okay? Let us make man in what? Our image. It's not me looking like Jesus. It's us looking like God in Christ. Okay? Forsake your individual, one-dimensional Christianity. It doesn't take you anywhere. Forget it. Drop it and exchange it for God in Christ in the multiple, multi-dimensional thing of let us make man in our image. And you will have a new faith and you will enter into the kingdom in a very powerful way that you have been yearning for for many years. God bless you guys. Thank you.